When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to In the Trenches. This is the post-spring competition. Uh, I'm not really sure if we call it spring game, spring practice, but we're going to call it the spring competition that happened in the big house on Saturday. We're going to get a chance to cover that as well as talk to Dylan McCaffrey. All of that and more coming up on In the Trenches. Let's go In the Trenches with John Jansen. The former Wolverines captain and Michigan Sports Hall of Famer will take you inside the locker room with players and coaches. We're spreading our guys out a little bit more, putting more actual space between our guys and the defenders on the field. We've reduced the huddle. Um, we're looking on the sidelines and we kind of streamlined a lot of things. Just tune in. Wait and see. <laughs> I can't prove anything to the season, so I just have to wait and see. Once again, here's John Jansen. We've got questions from fans that we've taken either via Twitter, via email, via text message. Those are coming up in just a few moments. I already mentioned we've got Dylan McCaffrey. We also have some sound uh, that we're going to bring to you from the spring game. We've got Shea Patterson, Carlo Kep, young man Aiden Hutchinson, and Andrew Stuber. Going to talk a little bit about the battle going on at right tackle. But uh, before we get there, let's bring in Brian and uh, and let's go to some of those questions or, or Brian do you want to talk about the spring game first what do you want to do yeah let's John start with the spring game we'll get into some of the questions we receive from fans via Twitter email and text but first things first John that spring competition you alluded to what was your biggest takeaway from that well it's when I think about spring ball I think there's two things that I want to know coming out of spring ball one is that we're healthy and for the most part, we are. We had some guys that didn't start spring ball, um, didn't finish it, but those were, were known. There wasn't really any unexpected major injuries during spring ball, so mission accomplished there. The second thing that, that you want to do is, is you realize that there is no game being played right now. There is no meaningful football 
being played until fall. So I want to know what type of identity are we starting to develop when I watch the offensive line and I talk to Ed Warner, I talk to guys up front there, they they all talked about they were able to start five or six practices ahead of schedule this year. And when I saw them in the big house, both of the last open practices that they had the past two Saturdays, I did see that progress. I saw them communicating up front, working together um, in the padded practice that was last weekend. I did get a chance to see some good movement up front. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about that. We don't have our stable of running backs available, so it was hard to see a lot of production. True Wilson did run well um, and some of the young kids, but when Zach Charbonnet um, and some of the other guys get back in there, Christian Turner, we will get a chance to see how they pair up with this offensive line and with the offense in general. Uh, defensively, Mazzie Smith looked good. Aiden Hutchinson looked good. Josh Uche looked good. I'm excited about our defensive front. We did lose a couple of guys through graduation and through, you know, to the NFL. But what we have coming back, what I saw throughout practice, uh, David Ojabo, um, young fella coming in here and, and great get off. Uh, we talked to him a lot about him on Saturday. So I'm excited about the competition that we have at, at some of these other positions. Um, and I'm excited about the, the youth that we have starting to develop, starting to produce, and uh, we're going to get a chance to see them on Saturdays in the fall. So you mentioned some of the players who impressed on Saturday. I thought also, John, the crowd was impressive. A lot of people there. We all know there's a lot of passion for Michigan football, so we'll get into some of our questions we've gotten. Uh, but it was pretty cool to see great weather, great turnout for a great event. It was, and, and, and unlike last year when we had to cancel the event, and unlike some of the other Big Ten schools, I know Minnesota had to cancel theirs. They moved their practice inside. We had two Saturdays in a row where we had open practices, and they both turned out to be spectacular days. And whenever you, you invite fans to the big house to watch Michigan football, you know they're going to show up. It was a lot of fun to be able to walk around the stadium, get the feel of – it was like, you know, fall light. Is, is, is what I uh, I guess I would like to describe it as because there was a little chill in the air. The sun was out. The fans were there. You could smell the football being played. It was everything that you wanted in a football Saturday. You got. We got an extra one. Instead of having, you know, seven home games in the fall, we got an extra one in the spring. Love it. All right, let's get into our fan-submitted questions. We've got plenty. Daniel from Normal, Illinois via text has Coach Gaddis emphasized the read option? Last year, I thought Michigan left a lot of points on the field by not running the read option. John, your thoughts? I think we're going to see a lot of option type of, of play, and that's whether it's read option, RPOs, um, the quarterback getting to the line of scrimmage and having two or three different plays that he could go with depending on what the defense calls or the, the defense lines up as. There are – many, many different ways that this offense could go, and the read option is one of them. We saw that with, with Shea um, Patterson and Karan Higdon. They ran it extremely well. I like the fact that um, it, that we have that in our repertoire. We know we can go to that. We know Shea Patterson is, is effective and good at that. I want to see us branch out, as does everybody else, with this Josh Gaddis offense and see what we can add to what we did well last year. Text from a 309 area code. In terms of Coach Ben McDaniel's approach, 
is he maybe giving too much new information to the young quarterbacks? And I, I think it's probably McDaniels and Coach Gaddis with this new speed and space concept, John, is what this listener is, is referring to. Information overload, overload, can that be sometimes a bit of a challenge for players? Uh, it can be, but you also, as a coach, you want to throw all of it out there and see what your players can absorb. Like I said before, there is no meaningful game going to be played in the next month, in the next two months. We don't, we're don't. we going to wait until September before we actually take the field and we play Middle Tennessee, we play Army, we play Wisconsin in Madison as the Big Ten opener. I'm already excited about that. How about that, Brian? Let's get ready to go. Let's go. But when you think about what you have the ability to do now, and that is throw as much at these kids as possible, see what they soak up, um, see what they can then you know, soak up over the summer. There is a lot of time that they can spend watching film, talking to the coaches, um, and there is nothing better than – and I'll just take the quarterbacks, for example. Shea Patterson, Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton, all of those guys – they get together and they start trying to decipher this themselves. The, the, one of the greatest ways for a football player to learn is to be able to figure it out on their own. And not only that, but then teach one of the younger players or teach a teammate. Because then all of a sudden you grasp that concept so deeply that you are confident enough that you know what it is and you are trying to get your teammates to understand it as well. When that happens, I think there's a great knowledge base that 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 will continue to grow. Shea Patterson has the advantage of being in a similar offense at Ole Miss. Dylan McCaffrey, very smart individual, uh, very football savvy. Joe Milton, same thing. So I don't think that there, you could throw too much at them right now. I think you got to throw the, the whole thing and the kitchen sink and see what they can take in and see what they can pick up over the over the summer. Todd via Twitter with Shea Patterson's experience, will he be given the opportunity to audible within this new offense? I think whoever the quarterback is is going to have that opportunity. Um, yeah, Shea does have that that the experience of you know a, a offense similar to this when he was at Ole Miss, um, but this is an offense that allows you to get to the line of scrimmage. And Dan the Jim talked about this during the broadcast. You're getting to the line of scrimmage with 25, 20 seconds left on the play clock. We would break the huddle sometimes at 13, or we'd get to the line of scrimmage at 10. We would make our calls, snap the ball with four or five seconds left. When you get to the line of scrimmage with 20 seconds left on the play clock, that's an eternity. They can stand there and look you know, to both sides. They can look to the sidelines. The coaches can still be signaling things in. Look at, look at the defense. They can make some calls. They can even make a, an adjustment off those calls. There is so much that they can do, and it just comes down to the understanding that they have. Shea Patterson is going to have that understanding. Dylan McCaffrey is going to have that understanding. Joe Milton is getting there. Um, he's younger than both those guys, doesn't have the same base of knowledge yet. But being in the room with those guys, he's going to get it done. And, and I'm excited about what can happen when you get to the line of scrimmage with that much time, look at the defense, the quarterback can get you in the best play possible, snap the ball, go, and repeat up 95 times a game. That is going to be very exciting to watch. Anthony, via email, uh, he says, I've heard about the battle at right tackle, of course, Jalen Mayfield, Andrew Stuber. What other big position battles are you watching heading into fall camp? Well, I'm watching the quarterback battle. I think that's a great battle. When you when you look at Shea Patterson and Dylan McCaffrey, I think they're 1A and 1B. 
Um, and, and when I look at what they both bring to the table, I think that's a great competition. They're both going to push each other. Um, and I actually, you're going to get a chance to hear Dylan McCaffrey talk about that a little bit. I think the, the competition at quarterback, Donovan Peoples-Jones, not there. Nico Collins, not there. Tariq Black, hasn't been there. Those three guys, we understand that they are special talents, but they have not been on the field altogether at one time, save maybe once or twice in the last couple of years. Donovan Peoples-Jones hasn't been you know, at practice. Nico Collins hasn't been at practice uh, or been able to practice. I think there's a lot of young kids, Mike Sandra still, um, Ronnie Bell, uh, that are going to get a chance to prove what they can do. Throw into that not only the competition at receiver, but competition just to, to get the balls that the quarterback is throwing. you got Nick Eubanks uh, at, at tight end. Uh, you've got so many different guys that can catch the ball. Sean McCune, Eric All, Mustafa Muhammad. Uh, there are playmakers all over the place. So when Josh Gaddis says speed and space, the competition to me isn't the right tackle. It isn't the quarterback. It isn't the wide receivers. It's who is going to get open fastest. Who is going to make the best play? Who is going to demand that I want the ball in my hands because I'm going to go make plays. I'm going to be the one that takes us to the championship. That's what Michigan needs. We need players to step up and make plays when it is needed most. And that is the competition that I want to see. Who is going to step up and make those plays? We've got the personnel. Now let's see who's going to do it. Ten minutes into an April podcast, and John Jansen's <sighs> getting feisty. Championships. All right. Championships. Yes. All right. Well, this isn't going to cure your Goose feistiness. Raba. At- Goose oh. Raba. What? Goose Raba. Haven't you seen Anger Management? I have not. Oh, it's, uh, uh, gosh, Adam Sandler and I uh, forget the other gentleman that's in there, but uh, um, it's, never mind. It, it, beyond the point. Let's move on. Next question, please. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the offensive line category here of our fan-submitted questions. Steve on Twitter, are there going to be any adjustments with the offensive line splits within this offense? They've seemed really tight the last couple of years in comparison to, say, Oklahoma. Um. You know the splits are more uh, play specific, um, and and it's it's sometimes it's also talent specific, um, talent on the offensive line, talent in the backfield. If you're trying to get to the edge, uh, you know you don't necessarily want to split out quite as far from from you know center to guard, guard to tackle, you know tackle to tight end. Because you may never get to the edge. Um, if you're going to try and run the ball inside, you want to get you know, some bigger splits so that you can, uh, you know, open up some bigger holes. And you're starting with bigger holes, but you also have to have guys that can get there. And when I say guys that can get there, if there's a three technique on the outside shoulder of the guard, I'm the right tackle. If I don't have the correct footwork. I'm going to have to be right next to my buddy because that is the only way I can scoop in there on a backside block and make a block on that three technique. Now, if I have proper footwork, now all of a sudden I can start to edge out just a little bit more because I know even though I may not be any faster, I'm going to take the right steps to get there. That's what a good offensive line coach can do. I Yes, I do believe that we will have wider splits because the holes will be wider, the talent is there, and we are going to be taking the right steps at the right time. Uh, and, and like we had talked about last week with Coach Ed Warner, uh, Ben Bredesen, uh, Cesar Ruiz, Michael Onwenu, 
These guys have all dropped weight. They are all in great shape. They're all in great condition. One of the reasons is to be able to last those extra 15, 20 plays. The other one is to be able to make some of those blocks that you have to make by getting bigger splits. Derek on Twitter, can you explain to us, Layman, the difference between a left tackle and a right tackle in terms of body type, technique, physical attributes, etc.? Well, the uh, the lines that separate a left tackle and right tackle are becoming very blurred. Uh, It used to be that your left tackle was the pass blocker. Your right tackle was the run blocker. You had a strong side. You had a fast side. Um, You know, and and the left tackle, traditionally, a little bit taller, a little bit better athlete, longer body, a little more agile because they are dancing around to protect the backside of the quarterback. That typically was the best pass rusher on the right side of the offensive line. You know, typically was your your badass. Um, and, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because that's where I played. But that was your run side. That was the side that, you know, you, 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 you knew if you had to have three yards, that's where it was coming from. Because of Nick Saban, because of Bill Belichick, because of coaches like, you know, Dabo Sweeney who have hired – Don Brown who have hired – great defensive minds who are great defensive minds themselves, your best pass rusher isn't always the right defensive end or you know somebody lined up over the left tackle. Your best run stoppers aren't necessarily inside. Sometimes, and let's just take a look at Don Brown's defense. Sometimes we played last year with one defensive tackle and you've got four or five you know pass rushers or you've got four or five linebackers and DBs. Watch the Super Bowl. That's what they, they did in the Super Bowl. New England was what Bill Belichick had an unbelievable game plan for uh, Jared Goff and the L.A. Rams. And there were times where you're, you're looking at it as a football guy. I'm looking at it going, I, don't, I can't tell what personnel group is in there on defense because it was all over the board. So your left tackle and right tackle anymore have to be almost mirror images of each other. You've got to be able to be a guy that can run block. You've got to be able to be a guy on both sides that can be very agile, that can protect the quarterback. You've got left-handed quarterbacks. You've got short quarterbacks. You've got so many different variables involved now that you know you have to be able to do everything extremely well. For example, Andrew Stuber, Jalen Mayfield, John Runyon Jr., those three guys, I think if you threw them in a hat and you put them out there, all three of those guys could play left tackle, could play right tackle. And, you know, right now, John Runyon is is much ahead of the other two guys. But those other two guys are very good. But they're they're good athletes. They're good run blockers. They're strong. They're quick. They're agile. They're fast. They're knowledgeable. All of those things. And that's what you have to have to make a good offensive line right now. One more offensive line question from Richard via email. Do you make suggestions to the coach or to individual offensive linemen, given your long experience as an NFL player and he says i have to believe there are some techniques that you and the players that can be improved without being viewed as interfering with the coaches so i think the the basis of this question john is have players come to you and ask you questions have coaches picked your brain while you've been around the building because i have to imagine you're you're quite the resource to have just kind of hanging out at, at shem beckler well, Coach Warner and I have a great relationship. I think you could hear that in, in last week's podcast. There's a lot of times where we just sit there and we talk offensive line play. I pick his brain. And, um, I talk about my experience and, um, and some different things that I did. 
the guys, um, I love talking to the guys about, you know, their steps, their sets. And, and because I do understand what Coach Warner wants to get done. I'm not going to be a guy that's going to go out there and, and say, this is how I did it. It's the only way to do it. I was smart enough to know when I played that there are a lot of different ways that you can, you know, block a five technique, block a nine technique, you know, block a pass rusher. Um, and so I, I am still learning as well. I have been able to incorporate a lot of new things since I was, you know, since I've been retired into helping guys, whether it was at Michigan or, you know, if I was doing a game somewhere else, I've got a lot of great relationships, you know, across the NFL and across college football where I've been able to help guys um, with their technique, um, you know, as offensive linemen. So, yeah, I do get a chance to talk to those guys, and, and, and I love every minute of it because they they're – the guys that we have on the team are so respectful. Um, they they want to know, how, you know, not just about offensive line play, but, you know, what, what happened in 97? Why was that year different? And I get a chance to tell them the stories, and, and hopefully, um, even if it's just one little bit that, that helps, you know, any guy on the, on the team or if it helps the Michigan football team, that is all we are in for is to help Michigan win. That's really cool. Uh, Sarah, via Twitter, unfortunately, when we do these, this, this is a question that, in some way, shape, or form, comes around. What does Michigan need to do to beat Ohio State this season? When it comes to Ohio State this time of year, you're, when you're in the midst of the season, you can't really look ahead to the last game of the season. But now, when you're trying to get every last bit of yourself out, when there are no games on the horizon, do you have Ohio State and, and Michigan State and Notre Dame on your mind here as you're trying to finish that last rep, trying to to make sure you put your stamp on a practice, et cetera? You better believe you do. You, you you better believe that those guys are thinking about it. It is something that they think about on a daily basis. Listen to uh, Don Brown. Uh, listen to all of the coaches when they, when they talk about what happened last year. It is on their mind. It is something they are thinking about, concentrating on. And, you know, Ben Herbert, when you walk through the weight room, it is a point of emphasis that you are thinking about Notre Dame, Michigan State, uh, Ohio State. It's not a, It's not that you're not thinking about uh, Iowa. You're not thinking about Wisconsin. Those are big games as well. Any game that's on the schedule is a big game. But if you are going to win a national championship, you've got to beat Notre Dame. They're on the schedule. They're a, 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 a non-conference opponent. You've got to beat them. If you are going to win a Big Ten championship, you've got to be able to win at home. Who do we have at home? We've got uh, Michigan State. We've got Ohio State at home. You've got to defend your own turf. If you are going to win the Big Ten, you have to win the Big Ten East. And that is Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. All of those things, the one common factor involved is that right now, Ohio State has done that more than Michigan has. We are thinking about Ohio State every single day. How do we beat them? We got to beat them on the field. We have to beat them in the meeting rooms. We have to beat them in recruiting. We have to beat them in nutrition. We have to beat them in rest. We have to beat them in every single thing we do Monday through Sunday every week. Unique transition, Bob via Twitter. Shepherd's pie, would you eat it? <laughs> great, great segue. Shepherd's pie, hell yeah, I'd eat it. You put mashed potatoes on a pizza, you put a little extra meat on there. Now, the peas, I might have to pick the peas off. Not a great fan of peas, because um, I'm assuming in shepherd's pie there's peas in there. Um, 
Uh, it, it's more of a vegetable thing to me than it is anything. But yes, uh, you put all of those fixings on a pizza, and who wouldn't eat it? Yeah, the it's defining. Amazing. This is per Wikipedia. Uh, defining ingredients are minced red meat cooked in a gravy or sauce with onions and sometimes other vegetables: peas, celery, carrots. Topped with a layer of mashed potatoes before baked. Also sometimes topped with grated cheese. And in the John Jansen household, it would most certainly be Sprinkled coated with, with bacon. bacon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Sprinkled. Well, that's how you would yeah, mince the, uh, when, when you mince the meat, the, the red meat, you, you'd yeah. probably mince it with a little bacon as well. Yeah. Do you, so on your, on your kitchen table, most people have the salt and pepper shakers. Do you have like a little bacon shaker? Um, I have a, a, a bowl with uh, you know chopped up bacon and then in the fridge. So one of the things that people don't understand is when you make bacon, all right, most people take the bacon out, they either eat it or they save it for a salad or something later, which is fine. I do the same thing. But you cannot lose or get rid of the bacon drippings because you, you, what I do is I've got a, a mason jar that is next to the oven. And I take and, and I pour those drippings all in that mason jar. You put it in the fridge, save it. And then whenever you want to make anything, I make you know eggs in the morning if and I don't have bacon, which is a rare occasion, but I can still have bacon flavored eggs because I can you know cook it in a little bacon grease. If I'm gonna, you know anything, I don't use olive oil. I don't use you know the 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 the, the nonstick spray. Um, I don't like artificial chemicals, right? I use bacon grease. It is the best non-stick ingredient you'll ever have. That's pretty clever. I like that. Jen via text, our final fan submitted question. Uh, and, and she asks, hey, help me get through the summer. How should I use my time between now and the start of football season other than bacon grease? I added that last part. <laughs> How would I use my time? Uh, well, I would make sure that I have all of my stuff done uh, leading up to August because uh, and for me, I'm, I'm, I'm getting married. I'm going to go on a honeymoon. I've got the kids. I've got to make sure we got school supplies done. All of that has to be done before August 1st, because when August 1st comes around, it is actually, it's just before August 1st. We've got big 10 media days at the end of July. It is going to be football all the way up until the 1st of February. And yes, I do include the NFL football playoffs. We will no longer have the AAF to celebrate after the Super Bowl is over. But the six to seven to eight months of football, you have to make sure that you are not interrupted at all. And if anybody sends you an invitation for an event during football season, just feel free to say no because they're not that good a friend. If they were, they wouldn't schedule it during football season. It's a great rule of thumb. Now, while we are doing all of those things that you discussed there, John, Dylan McCaffrey is going to be battling to win a quarterback spot, and you had a chance to catch up with the Wolverines QB earlier this week. Yeah, Dylan does a, a, a great job of talking about the Josh Gaddis offense, the competition at quarterback, Shea Patterson, uh, and also where he is in his recovery from that broken collarbone. So, uh, And a little Game of Thrones at the end of it. So here we go. Dylan McCaffrey. Dylan McCaffrey joins us on In the Trenches. Dylan, this is the first time we've had you. Thanks for stopping by. It is, yeah, thanks for having me. Spring is almost done. The spring game, spring practice, whatever you want to call it, was last Saturday, but you got a couple more practices this week. 
Where are you at individually? Are you where you thought you would be at this time of spring? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, learning a new playbook was definitely the goal so far for, I think, most of the offense this spring. And uh, I'm feeling really good when it comes to that. And uh, obviously, coming back from an injury, too, I wanted to see where my body is. Uh, with that, and it's it's felt great. So I'm definitely feel like I'm in a good position. I wanted to get get to that, and we'll, we'll go ahead and do that now. When you went down with the with the, the shoulder, the collarbone um, last year, what was your initial thought when you took the hit? Oh yeah, so uh, as soon as I got up, I, I'd kind of hurt my shoulder a little bit in uh, the Notre Dame game early on. So at first, I thought, oh, like dang, and I just I think I just sprained my AC again, like that one. That's gonna hurt tomorrow. I'm gonna have yeah. to get treatment all week again. Like, kind kind of thought, oh, that sucks. And then I tried uh, tried to stay in. And next play, I handed the ball off, and I I couldn't lift my right arm. So I just that's when I knew I'm like, oh, okay, this is a little more. And it's a good then, thing it wasn't a pass play called. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I would have done honestly <laughs> if it was. What was um you know what when you got the news? Hey, you know it's you're not going to be able to play the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, one, how'd you take it, and what did you do at that point? What could you do at that point? Yeah, um, it was it was definitely tough. You hate to hear that, especially at that time when there was no chance of me coming back. A lot of times with the collarbone, there's there's a chance of coming back at some point in the year, but um, you just gotta kind of adjust your mindset from there and take it day by day and just start focusing on the recovery. And then, uh, so that was my main goal. Is like, all right, what can I do starting now to get this better, get this right? And uh, still got to try to be a part of the team somehow, just encourage the guys around you somehow. What uh, What was the recovery like? I mean, I know it was, eventually it was the off season, so there was no pressure to be back by a certain date. But, um, yeah. you know, what was the rehab like for you? Um, the rehab, our trainers here did a did an excellent job uh, with that. I know it's, it's a little bit easier when it comes to bones. Um, than a lot of ligaments or muscle muscles you can have. Um, so that was good. Uh, just had to completely rest it for a couple of weeks. I know that. And then after that, it was more just shoulder strengthening stuff, which um, is great for a quarterback anyway. So, Were you nervous when spring ball started just to see how it was going to react or how it would be? Um, a little bit. I knew we wouldn't be taking many hits just as a quarterback. So I wasn't too nervous, but... Um, we have, I mean, throughout the process, taken a couple and it's held up really well. So it's it's been refreshing. I know you're a guy that likes to run the ball a little bit. Um, do you ever look at the yellow jersey hanging in your locker and you just think, you know what? I wish today we could just go play a real, a real oh, yeah. game. Definitely. I mean, oh yeah, I think that all the time. I, I love getting out running, making making some contact. So I wish quarterbacks got a little bit more opportunity to do that. Well, it's coming. Don't worry. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> next fall, we'll be here before you know it. Um, before it gets here. What are the steps of implementing a new offense? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, this is this is not just new plays, but it's a new tempo. It's a new way to call the plays from the line from from you know not just the huddle, but from the sidelines. How have you guys adjusted to that? I think the team's adjusted uh, really well, actually. Um, I think a lot of guys are excited, which helps it uh, helps that adjustment. So they're they're really willing to learn, and everyone's been hitting the books. There's obviously been some speed bumps, but. Uh, I just think the team, the offense at least, is really, really bought in because they're enjoying it. And throughout spring ball, we've seen it work a lot against our defense, which is a huge sign because we have probably one of the best defense in the country. So it's been great to see. 
when you think about speed and space, and I know that's mm-hmm. getting, you know, all the playmakers the ball in space. What yeah. does, you know, how do you accomplish that? Because everybody can draw up routes where somebody, they think somebody could be open, but, you know, what makes this offense different? What makes you think that you can get those guys in space and get the ball to them? Um, one, the tempo. Uh, our tempo is definitely – it allows defenses to kind of show their hand a little bit because they're not going to be able to reach into their whole playbook um, in a matter of 20 seconds. They, they got only a certain amount of things they can call. Um, not only that, we're, we're spreading our guys out a little bit more, putting more actual space between our guys and the defenders on the field, and that that gives a lot of our wide receivers and our running backs more opportunity to be one-on-one or, or not have as many guys in the same area. A lot of competition, uh, a lot of great players in that quarterback room. How have you guys mm-hmm. handled the competition? Um, I mean, we've, we've handled it well. I think uh, it, it's been a friendly competition for sure. We all definitely um, want the best out of ourselves, but uh, it has never been like malicious towards anyone else. We're all just kind of focused on ourselves, which is the way it should be, and we're friendly with each other off the field, all, all helping each other out and supporting each other. I think that's one thing that – those that haven't been in a locker room or haven't been in a position group room find it hard to understand that you and Shay, you and Joe, you and the other guys can have a friendship even mm-hmm. though there's only one quarterback that can play at one time. How would you best describe that dynamic to somebody who doesn't understand what a football team is like? Yeah, um, it, it is difficult, especially when people have never been there. Uh, they, they don't get to see it firsthand, but I guess it's in a way – you kind of know your strengths and you know the other guy's strengths and a lot of the other quarterbacks might be better at a certain thing than you are and and you might think you're better than them at a certain thing and it's really just about honing your own craft I know personally I just try to take it each day going in what can I do to get better I I don't focus like oh one of them made a great throw that means this next throw has to be great for me it's Mm -hmm. I try to make every throw great and just hopefully stack those up and uh, I know the other guys do that as well and I think that is ultimately how you yourself get better, and the competition increases as well. Why do you think the up-tempo offense, the everything that Josh Gaddis has brought to Michigan, why do you think that'll be successful? Um, well, like you mentioned earlier, the motto is speed and space, and we've always known we've had some speed. We have some great athletes on our team, especially the receiver core. I know, I know we got probably 10 dudes who go out there and make a huge contribution on the field um, just in the receiver group alone, not to mention tight ends and running backs. But um, I think just giving them more opportunity to go out and make plays rather than a couple touches a game, um, getting them the ball a lot and as often as we can, it's going to make a big difference. How do you – you mentioned you've got 10 guys, and I know at times there will be five wide, so you've got yeah. you know half of those guys in there. But how do you spread the ball around to so many guys that can make plays? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's just a lot of a lot of the conceptual things. We got like four four reads on each play, probably depending on what the defense gives us, that is going to spread it out. So it's not really trying to get certain guys the ball more so than just taking what the defense gives you. Um, a certain play they may be leading the X open, another play the Z might get open. It's just based on what they what they're showing and what the defense come, came to play with. How do you get to the line of scrimmage? Because everything I'm assuming has to happen faster for you as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You, you get the play from the, um, from the sideline, you're calling it to your guys, you're, you're reading the defense, you're making a call at the line of scrimmage, and then the ball is snapped. And we noticed um, Jim and Dan and Doug and I, were, when we were doing the game on Saturday, that you guys were snapping the ball with 
you know, right around 20 seconds left on the play clock. Is that is that the goal? Do you want to try and get it snapped 20, 25 seconds left on the play clock? Because bef- you know, last year it was more 10, 13 seconds. So you're getting more plays. You're running more plays. How do you process that that quickly with the new offense? Um, yeah, so I mean – Long ass question, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not bad though. Uh, so yeah, we don't have a specific uh, goal of like when we want to snap it on the on the play clock, unless it's like two minutes or something. We're just trying to go as fast as we can. But regular down, it's it's really when we get up there, feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, making it happen fast is all part of just what we're trying to do in spring ball and uh, now learning the offense. I mean, it really starts off the field when it comes to that. Is uh, you got to I mean be in the books, kind of know each play where you want to go with it and then it doesn't take long to look at the defense usually and see okay they're, they're giving us this so we're going to think this and then that on this play so all right now that we've covered spring ball um we know fall camp's coming we know all yeah. that stuff but sunday night game of thrones oh, yeah. final season what was the build-up what you thought it would be um i mean yeah definitely episode itself was a little anticlimactic but I'm not I'm not disappointed anyway. Cause they they got to yeah they got to set up the season though. I know it's pretty much just a reunion episode. It, it kind of put all the pieces in place, but I think the rest of the season is going to be pretty awesome. Who's sitting on the Iron Throne when it's all oh, said and done? That's a that's a tough one. I got a couple of theories right now. I'm leading with a Brand Stark. Him going with him. That too, he hasn't played the biggest role yet, but I think I mean he's. I don't think we know what he's capable of. What do you think of Jon Snow? Oh, Jon Snow's he's he's a legend. <laughs> He's, he's the goat still. I mean, he is. That, dude, um, that dude's awesome. If if you were in the Game of Thrones, if you had to play an individual, who do you see as as you? Which character is you? Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. I did. Uh, so I did love Rob Stark for the longest yeah. time. That guy was. I thought he was. He was awesome. I love the way he just led his led mm-hmm. his troops and obviously one slip up. Not the he best, not the best head. choice for him, but <laughs> I, I loved what, uh, yeah, I loved everything he did. Mm-hmm. Is there an outcome that happens? We've got a lot of people that are, are, are Game of Thrones fans. Yeah. I am as well. Um, is there a, is there an outcome where you'd be like uh, that 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 upsets me? I'm I'm kind of mad that they ended it this way. Mm. All right, so I've been reading some theories recently. There was one I heard. Uh, some of the so, I don't know, one of the the prophecies or something said that the drowned god was going to come out and destroy, like, Aegon the Targaryen. Uh-huh. And at first, everyone, like, kind of brushed it off. But now that all the new – I'm not trying to spoil too much, but <laughs> now that everyone knows Jon Snow is a Targaryen, uh, there's a big theory that Euron is going to come and kill Jon Snow, which, honestly, he's a, I mean, he's a good villain, but – That'd be that'd be tough. I don't know. Be tough John, for me. John Snow, can John Snow actually ever die though? I mean, I know he did, but he, I know I don't. I don't know. We'll see. So we'll, we'll see. I appreciate you uh, stopping by. Uh, best of luck the the, the last couple practices, Thank and you, yeah. uh, we look forward to seeing you in the fall. Awesome, I appreciate it. Thank you. There's Dylan McCaffrey with John Jansen. We also had a chance on Saturday during our network broadcast to catch up with four Wolverines. The man that Dylan is competing against for that starting quarterback spot chatted with Doug Karsh on Saturday. That's Shea Patterson. All right, guys, thank you very much. And Shea, first of all, just kind of tell us how spring has gone for you. It's gone great. Uh, you know, it's obviously exciting to get back out there with the guys. Um, offense is coming along really well. 
uh, defense is great as always. So it's been fun. We've been been competing. Yeah, the different offensive coordinator, different position coach. Are things dramatically different for you guys in the quarterback room? Oh, you know that's that's just what comes along with the sport. You know, it's a business, and you know things change from year to year. But uh, you know, as far as Coach Gaddis and then Coach Ben McDaniel's, it's uh, it's been nothing but but good. Um, learned so much from them already, and they've already made me a you know a better player. How similar is the offense you guys will be running to last year, or when you played at Ole Miss? Are there comparisons? Oh, there's a lot of a couple similarities. I mean, there's quite quite the difference in all three of them. Um, I think each one of them have their own, you know, um, specific uh, goal, and ours is, is speed and space. So um, I think it's going to be playmaker-driven. Well, which one of those playmakers have stood out to you so far this spring? Man, there's, you know, with the injuries we got going on with Nico Donovan and, and Christian Turner going on, a lot of young guys have, have really stepped up. Mike Samstro, um has had a tremendous spring, making plays every single day. Uh, Ronnie Bell, he, as you guys saw in the spring game, he's, he's a playmaker in himself. Um, Sean McCune's just the way he's transformed his body and his speed and you know his route running has really, really progressed. So I'm excited for all of them. How about the quarterback room? It seems like you guys have so much talent there. How do you feed off one another? Um, you know, I'm not sure how it is, you know, with the other guys. Uh, I, we have a really talented group and we all feed off each other and we compete every single day. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm competing with myself. You know, I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. Uh, and I think that go, I think that should go for the rest of them. You know, obviously it's a competition, but um, at the end of the day, I'm going I'm to compete with myself. Final thing for you, Shea, here is everybody's talking in the offseason about the offense. Is it really going to be dramatically different? Like, are you as excited as the fans seem to be about what you guys might be able to do? Just tune in. Wait and see. <laughs> I can't prove anything to the season, so. Yes, have to wait and see. Shay, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks to Shay Patterson for joining us. Also, Carlo Kemp, really well-spoken young man. He chatted about Saturday and what's to come. Yeah, we have Carlo Kemp here, and let's just start with the overall feeling of how today went. Uh, it felt good. Getting out of Glick and being able to go out there and play one-on-one, uh, team v. team in, in our home stadium. It just feels good to be out there, run around, get the open air, and feel the energy crowd uh, light us up. Obviously, a lot more is going to be expected of you this year. Talk a little bit about what Don Brown says to you, what Sean Newell, your new position coach, says to you. What are the expectations for you this season? I think a lot of things I've just been trying to do, especially with the younger guys, is I've been here. You know, this is my fourth season. I've seen when we've been really successful. I've seen years when we haven't been successful. And I'm trying to just bring everybody along, teach guys, like, how important every single game is. Because we know when it comes to November, those games, they're worth two. They're not just worth one, and I'm just trying to show and shed light and bring that wisdom to as many players as I can. Well, you mentioned the younger guys. Has anybody either that you've gone against on the offensive line or a player that you're tutoring at your position, anybody caught your eye? The play of Donovan Jeter uh, has just been phenomenal. Uh, Mozzie Smith, uh, David Ojabo, Gabe, uh, Luigi, every, all those D linemen right now. I name those guys just because I've been with them a lot, and I see them progress every single day. They're getting better every single day. Those guys are young. They want to play, and especially Donovan Jeter. He's been such a phenomenal player, uh, especially this spring. Talk a little bit about Sean Nua, your position coach, your new position coach, what he's bringing to the table, how he's different from that guy that left. You know, he's he's a great coach, and he's fun to play for. He's from the islands, and he reminds us that he's from the islands. He's got that draw, and uh, he just – we get to connect to him. 
on a, a little bit different just because he's a younger coach and he brings that energy. You know, you look over to the sideline and when you see him, he's a massive person. He's fired up. If that don't get you fired up, I don't know what's going to. Well, Don Brown can, that's for sure, can he? Oh, that's for sure. When you see Don Brown going crazy, you see Coach Newell going crazy, and they are blending together, you look to that sideline, you're like, come on, bring another, bring another blitz, bring another play, line it back up, let's keep this going. Let's talk a little bit about the guys on the ends. Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary are gone. Anybody thinking, well, we're going to be okay because we have this guy, that guy stepping up? Number one guy comes to my head, Aiden Hutchinson. Got to play a whole lot last year, which was phenomenal for him because he had that capability to do that coming in as a freshman. Now, his second year, it's... It's his go time. He's playing phenomenal this spring. He's hard to block. He's, you know, 6'6". He's massive. He's quick. He's fast. He just brings it all. And then we got Quiddy Pay, who has been playing for two years, who his freshman year played phenomenally. Sophomore year had a much bigger role. And now this year, you're going to have the play of Aiden Hutchison, Quiddy Pay, guys that play the run. And then when it's time, we'll get the quarterback. They get the quarterback. That, that's frightening to me, especially uh, if I was a tackle. Final thing for you, you guys face a lot of no-huddle offenses. Now your offense is starting to do that. Can you sense that you'll be more prepared this year for when other teams go that direction? Well, it's definitely going to be able to be a lot more benefiting to us just because last year, the previous year, we faced a lot of teams that do that, you know, the clap offense, the no-huddle offense. And being able to practice against that every day in spring, every day in fall, Every day when it's you know time when our schedule hits, that's just going to be beneficial not just for us but for them as well because they're going to see how defenses react to that no huddle offense just as we re uh, react to uh, that no huddle offense as well. All right, thank you for your time. Good luck. Thank you so much. We were talking some offensive line play earlier, and the guys had a chance to chat with Andrew Stuber in that right tackle battle. Here's that conversation. Talk a little bit about your battle going on right now with Jalen Mayfield. Uh, yeah, the battle's been great, you know, coming into the spring. Um, you know, Coach Harbaugh's big on the meritocracy. You know, competition brings out the best of everyone, of course. So, uh, yeah, it's been great, you know, splitting reps with him, you know, getting better, fighting for the position. You know, I, I've always, you know, kind of fought for the position here. You know, I came here, I got the offer from my camp um, when I first got here. So, um, I've, been, I've always felt like kind of here, you know, it's the battle. And I think that always kind of, you know, breeds the best out of everybody, you know, the battle on the offense. And every day we battle with the defense. So just the constant battling and spring ball is something that, you know, I, I really like. And I really I don't mind the competition at all. I think it's great for everyone to grow as a, as a, as a whole. So I think that competition will only just help me and Jalen as players. Talk a little bit about your experience last year. Your first significant run came. In a big game, second half, Michigan State, Joan Bushel Beatty goes down and you get thrown into the mix. Tell us a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, yeah. So home at Michigan State, um, I was always ready. You know, I, I knew Jawan's had some had some injury trouble in the past, um, and he's a great player. So I knew I knew um, I'd get my calling at some point. So when that happened, second second half, I saw on the PAT, I ran out there and I saw him down on the ground, and you know, I kind of said, "All right, I, I think this is it." Um, then we go in there. Um, you know, I, I knew we, we had to close the game. I knew it was kind of we just had to get those first downs. So, you know, Coach Warner and all the other coaches have really uh, prepared me for this for the opportunity. So I was totally confident going in there. Uh, I knew the plays. You know, I had the whole line to the left of me, you know, supporting me. So, yeah, I felt great going in there. Um, no regrets going in. And, yeah, we pulled it out in the end. When, when you say you were confident going in and your first snap, second snap, third snap, did it go the way you'd always imagined? Was it quicker? Was it? wait, this isn't, uh, this game slowed down for me? How would you describe that experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, everyone says when the, the difference between high school and college is the speed of it. But I think, you know, a lot of people are thinking when you get in the game, you know, you have to go as fast as you can. You know, you have to you have to go, you know, off the rails kind of you have to go. But really, if you just slow it down, you know, the O-line is a position that takes, you know, 
it takes, you know, poise. You have to, you know, play your position, know your role. So I guess my focus going in there was just not, you know, come off too crazy and just know my position, know my assignment, do my job, which I think, you know, the whole line, that's just, that's, that's, you know, it's, it's job overall. So, um, Going in there, you know, it was, it was everything I expected. You know, I was, I was trying not to focus, you know, too much on the, you know, looking outside, kind of looking at the sideline, you know, looking at the center, you know, looking at the defense, um, just taking it all in, but definitely not trying to overthink it or come off too fast. All right, talk about the difference in the offense, how it is from an offensive lineman's perspective, because now you have to look at the sideline, make sure you get the right call. Tell us a little bit about the difference between last year and this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this year, you know, with Coach Gas coming in, he's kind of, you know, streamlined the whole, the whole office, the whole operation. Um, but, you know, he's very big on, you know, it's not his system. He's not coming in here and implementing his system. It's kind of, it's our system. You know, what worked last year, he'll keep it. And, you know, he'll continue to use that. But he'll also bring in what he can add from, you know, his coaching background. And so so as an offensive lineman, I think the big thing is kind of tempo. We've, we've reduced the huddle. Um, we're looking on the sidelines. And we've kind of streamlined a lot of things where, you know, one call can make a lot of the same things for everybody. Um, so, yeah, as an offensive line, it's playing faster. And honestly, I love it. You know, like in the line, you know, I've seen the defense. You know, usually where the defense, you know, gets set, especially on Michigan, gets set, and then we're playing kind of off them. But now they're, I feel like it's switched where they're playing off us with a high tempo. So it's been really fun to be a part of it. All right, finally, think back to the way you played today, how you did today, and when Coach Warner sits down with you in the film room. Is he going to like what he sees, or are you going to be there going, oh, don't show this play? How do you feel about it? I feel good. You know, I feel I feel really prepared. We've had some great coaches come in, you know, Coach Blaney, Coach Warner. And then we've had Coach Castillo come in, uh, who's with the Bills last year, and he's been great teaching the tackles, you know, sets and fundamentals and everything. So uh, I'm happy with how I played today. Um, I think, you know, I know I know my calls. I'm confident in it. And, um, yeah, I feel like I played great, and the offense played great as a whole, too. I think the whole unit, um, even the defense, props to defense for just continuing to get us better as a whole. But, yeah, I'm confident how I played. I think I played good, and, yeah, can't wait to continue it. Andrew Stuber, thanks for your time. Good luck. Yep, thank you. One of the guys who's really stood out so far in spring ball, Aiden Hutchinson. He sat down with the guys after Saturday's open scrimmage at the big house. All right, guys, thank you very much. I just want to let you know that Aiden sat down and he pulled his cell phone out of the band of his pants. You didn't play in the game today with your cell phone there, did you? I did not. I did not. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, it's been in there for a while. I decided I'd take it out, you know, clear my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Aiden. That's really it. Let's talk a little bit about your play today. On the goal line, you make two plays to stuff the offense inside the five-yard line. Take us through that sequence. Yeah, um, you know, usually when you're on the goal line, you're thinking it's mostly going to go inside. So, uh, you know, I just played the inside pretty heavy. I played that tight end, and uh, I made a play. I was talking to Carlo Camp a little bit earlier, and I asked him, you know, you look, you, last year when he looked to his left and he looked to his right, he saw Chase Woodovich and Rashawn Gary. I said, what do you see now, and how confident are you in those guys? And he said, well, the guy that stands out is Aiden Hutchinson. What do you think you have done to make an impression? Um, you know, I took my experience I got last year, I applied it to this year, and I just kept building on it. You know, I, wor- I was working really hard in the offseason to prove my strength, my speed, and uh, I think it's starting to show a little bit on the field, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy about that. Tell us a little bit about what Don Brown and Sean knew are your position coach. What do they emphasize to you to take you to that next level? Right. They emphasize, you know, aggression and technique, you know, keep going 100 percent hard as you can. But then again, don't get too wild, you know, keep that technique and uh, stay sound. And uh, I think uh, Coach Newa and Coach Brown really emphasize those things. When you get away from the coaches and you have downtime and then you get Coach Dad, who is an All-American, how much does he talk to you about your game? 
Yeah. Oh, my dad has been tremendous for me. You know, the other day I was talking to him about two or three hours about the practice I just had and the little things I got to work on. And, man, he's he's done a ton for me. And uh, I can't be more thankful to have a dad that, that has been an All-American here and he has that much experience. Do you ever watch his film and try and pull anything from that? I do. I, I have watched his film. He's got all the bunch of discs. Uh, back, when I, back when I lived at home, he's got all the discs from all the old games. So uh, sometimes I put one in the in the DVD player and I watch the game, and uh, it's it's pretty amusing. It's pretty amusing <laughs> to, to, see, to see him out there. What's funny about it? It's just because I I see a lot of myself in him and us wearing the same number. It's like it's weird. It's, it's weird. It's weird having that dynamic. Is there a dad move one that you could apply during games? You go, that's how dad used to do it. I don't. Uh, I don't really know. I don't really know. But he always tells me his little things that he does, and I, I try to apply that. Like, there's little technique things that really took him to the next level, and I'm trying to apply that to my game. So, yeah. Before we let you go, on the offensive line, there's a there's a battle at the right tackle position. I don't know how often you go up against those guys, but do you get a sense for, for how that position is going to be this coming season? Yeah, yeah I have. I have no idea who's coming out of that one, the winner. They're, they're going neck and neck every day. I go against both of them so much every single day. Like, I don't even know who has the upper hand. It's They're really going at it, and uh, it's, it's it's really fun to see. All right, Aiden, thank you for your time. Your cell phone's right there. Don't forget it. Oh, I got you. <laughs> All right, Aiden, it's back to you guys. I'll tell you what, if he thinks it looked old when his dad was playing, I'm glad he I'm glad he doesn't have access to any of ours. Of course, that's on 16-millimeter film. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have discs of our no, stuff. No, and it's in black and white. Love that conversation with Jim and Dan about their old film, which, unfortunately, I don't have. John, do you have any of that old Jim Brandstad or Dan Deardorff film on you? Um, I don't have any on me because they don't make the equipment used to play that anymore. <laughs> uh, Dan was talking about 16-millimeter. I mean, that's... You know, they had, what, 8-track after that, and then yeah. there was cassettes, and then it's, it you know, the film watching went along with audio. Um, so then we had DVDs, now we've got, you know, digital. No, I don't have any uh, old brands, but I, I do wish that I could go back and, and watch those guys. I'm going to have to find out how to do that. You know what they say, John, sometimes you want to learn from somebody and glean what to do, and maybe from those guys you could glean what not to do. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, they both did it pretty well. They so sure I'm still did. trying to figure out um, how they got where they're at and and do what they do. So it's uh, it's always a pleasure to be able to talk with Jim and Dan during football, which if you get a chance to, to go back and listen to the spring game, anybody, you will enjoy it. Doug Karsh, Brian Bush. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and all of spring has been a lot of fun. We're going to hope to hope to bring you uh, more Michigan football throughout the offseason, whether it's alumni, whether it's uh, uh, draft shows, you know, leading up to camp, there is so much going on with Michigan football. We may have a little bit of an irregular schedule, but we will let you know when we've got an episode coming out of In the Trenches. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of In the Trenches with John Jansen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.